Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Final hour of the show, final hour of the week. Oh, the countdown is on. Jimmy B and TC here on the Big Talker 1700 through 3 o'clock today. Then the weekend begins, well, uh, not exactly. Yeah, there's always things that need to be done, but I think I got a couple hours. And then uh, a meeting that might lead to a cocktail, which is always good. Speaking of cocktails, this guy enjoys a beverage or two. He's Matt Nelson, wide right natty light, and he joins us on the Draft House 50 hotline. Matt, what's up? Not much. Just uh, waiting for this Friday to be over so I can enjoy some weather that's not 105 degrees and uh, uh, maybe kick back with a beverage or two this evening. Sounds like uh, your work meeting is a lot more fun than my afternoon, though. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's the plan at the very least. I, I'm hopeful that's going to be the case that I'll be able to, to get that done and, and put things in a positive direction as it pertains to a Friday afternoon. Back in the day, you know, it was Friday after class, now Friday after work got to hit it hard when you can and uh and that's the hope for me but we're here to talk cyclones matt in a summer that has led to the question boy if marielle shayak was eligible to play next year how good could the cyclone basketball team be boy wouldn't him and donovan jackson be fun to watch oh you're you're not kidding no shayak has been um you know the way they used him at Virginia was kind of strange because he was, you know, I would say an above-average defensive player um, who had some skills on offense, but in, in a system like that, I think those kind of tend to get lost in the, uh, I would say lost in the shuffle, but it really wasn't even a shuffle, more of a grind the way that Virginia played. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of knew that there was a little bit of versatility to him and, and it maybe had uh, um, the ability to shoot a little bit, but, boy, the, the things he's done in the summer um, – just really quite impressive. Yeah, offensively, you figured he's probably better than he'd showed at Virginia, like you said, but it's been at a completely different level. And not just the monster games that we've had. We've seen plenty of guys have monster games. What is it? Uh, Sharon Dorsey, he, didn't he have like a 60-some points in a game? And we saw didn't quite translate to the floor for Iowa State. But it's the consistency. Every night, he's going off for huge numbers. Yeah, it has been every single night, and the way he does it isn't in quite the uh, the Cap City. I'm going to sit six feet behind the three-point line and launch uh, 12 threes like, um, oh, who was the player back in the day? I think it was maybe Percy Gibson went one for 12 in a Cap City league from three back in the day. Um, so, no, he's been scoring in a variety of ways, and it's really pretty impressive um, the numbers he has put up. I think him and Terrence Lewis have by far um, – Kind of been the stars of, of the Cap City League this year, but Trent, I, I would be maybe a little less excited had uh, about his summer performance if Shayok was going into to playing this year. Um, but to be honest, the fact that he is actually sitting out has got me more excited because I think, in terms of what we've kind of seen from him in the past, and e- even if you throw out what this you know Cap City League is, you know, I, I always think you can at least look at their offensive game. I mean. You can you can see whether a guy is capable of making a contested three or if he has a, a jump shot that's got good form. You you can see that in this league, and um, you know on top of what we've kind of seen him do this summer. Um, when you think about the year off that he has to um, to maybe work on his body a little bit to hone his offensive game um, even more. I mean, you could be talking about a really special player going into next season. 
Well, the other guy that's been sitting out, it's been putting up some big numbers is Michael Jacobson. Uh, pretty much what we expected out of Jacobson, good rebounder. I think the biggest thing for him during the, this uh, season away from hoops as it pertains to actual gameplay is going to be getting that jump shot back, uh, being able to develop as a three-point shooter. He was able to do it high school, and I think he can add that versatility to his game. Boy, you got to be excited about him and his future than his final two years. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think that's why um, probably the biggest thing for him is going to be this offseason, mainly just like you said, to work on his jump shot, because I think size-wise, man, you've got to be impressed with his build. Uh, pretty broad kid. He's got big shoulders, um, really works hard um, rebounding the basketball. One thing I've noticed is uh, everything you kind of see him do in the Cap City League this summer, and in a lot of what you saw him do at Nebraska was, was pretty close to the basket, um, definitely plays around the rim. And uh, I'm hoping that with some with some time off, uh, practicing with the team and, and putting in that work on offense, he can kind of expand uh, his range out a little bit farther from the hoop. And uh, I would be surprised if um, if Steve Prome doesn't really make him focus on that because I think if if uh, the indications I've seen on on Twitter are correct from Steve Prome, he's kind of having a Solomon Young work on the same thing because I'm just not sure this Iowa State team is really built to have uh, two players that spend a lot of the time around the rim. You know, I think we saw, actually there were times where Jameel McKay kind of held the Cyclones back in that respect. So so I expect uh, uh, Jacobson to develop at least a mid-range game that makes him respectable, but at least uh, gives him a chance to, to kind of play uh, away from the hoop. Well, to the here and now, as both those guys are going to be sitting out next year, and, and with it, you look at this squad, what they have, they missed on some big prospects. They they finished second a couple of times. It's always disappointing when you're in that spot, but you still have Wigington. You still have the backcourt with him and Donovan Jackson. Solomon Young with the step forward. We see Cameron Laird. There's enough pieces here with the right break, the right guy stepping up and developing in the right way. This can be a tournament team. Where are you at right now? When you look at this roster, do you see a bubble team on one side or the other? Where are you at when you look at them one through, which is basically one through nine? Yeah, you know, I, I see. A, I think I see a bubble team right now, j- just being realistic. Um, but that that is contingent on kind of um, not minimal development, but, uh, you know, that's me looking at this roster and saying, you know what, there's a lot of freshmen, there's a lot of young guys. If they play like freshmen at times, um, I think that's where Iowa State is going to end up. Uh, that being said, uh, if Terrence Lewis uh, can, can really, uh, you know, maybe even be a guy who starts from day one, but if he can play significant minutes and, and really make an impact on the court, if uh, Solomon Young kind of expands his role a little bit and, and works on his offensive game, and if uh, a guy like Nick Weiler-Babb can, uh, can have a good season, I think he's somebody that everyone has is, is kind of forgot about in a sense. Um, as a player who I think can really have an impact for Iowa State. Um, again, he's just a junior. I uh, really expect big things out of him coming into this season. So, you know, if some of these guys step up, Trent, I could see a tournament team. I don't think it'll be a, you know, anywhere seated very high. Probably one of the lower-seeded teams that Iowa State has kind of had on this run. But missing the tur- tournament is, is certainly a possibility. But, boy, it's uh, from what I've seen from some of these players, and then in, in terms of the backcourt, you know, with uh, Lindell Wigington and Donovan Jackson – uh, Lindell might have some pressure on him coming in, but he's a, a top recruit for a reason, and I think Donovan's only only going to show us uh, how this is his team as the show as the uh, season progresses. And um, I really expect big things out of Donovan Jackson as well. Well, the backcourt is set. Wigington Jackson, we know that's going to be the part 
Solomon Young, he's going to be a starter up there. Uh, Nick Weiler-Babb, I guess you'd probably put in that spot also. Uh, he can do some good things, things that you like uh, coming off the bench with, with the energy, the defensive ability where he can guard a bunch of de- positions. But you feel like he's going to be in there. Who's your fifth starter as you look at it here today on, what, July 14th? Yeah, that's a tough question. And, and honestly, Trent, this question got a little bit more complicated when um, Darius McNeil decided for some reason he wanted to uh, switch schools about a week before he yeah. was supposed to report to campus. Um, when you look at the guard court now, um, you re- there's really not a lot there for Iowa State in terms of depth. You know, I know Naslong only averaged, I believe I heard this the other day, he averaged one point as a freshman and ended up at it, uh, averaging 16 points per game as a senior. Wow. So. Uh, there can be some development there, but, you know, Jacoby Long is a guy that we thought might see some time last year. Didn't really get any run at all, and I know Iowa State had a lot of bodies that they played last year, but outside of um, Jackson and Wigington, really, you've got Jacoby Long. Um, and then the conversation really comes down to where you put Terrence Lewis and Nick Wilder Babb. I know uh, some people I've seen spotting Nick, uh, Nick Wilder Babb in as a starter. I think uh, you've kind of been on the train that you know Terrence Lewis is a guy who could start from day one and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I feel and I think he may start from day one Trent just because Iowa State is going to need another guard who can play multiple positions Uh, and Terrence is technically listed as a guard Um, they've got him around 6'5 I actually think he's a little bit taller Um, but he's he's got a bigger frame than Wyler Babb I think Wyler Babb projects more as a backup shooting guard or point guard if you need to give uh, Donovan or Lindell uh, a blow I think I think uh, that's a position he's going to be a little bit more comfortable with, especially since he's been in the program for, I think this is going to be his third season now. So I expect that, um, you know, maybe why the bat will start initially, but uh, it's a possibility. But I think as the season progresses, you'll see him kind of shift to the bench and then they'll, they'll trot out a combination of Solomon Young, Cameron Lard, Terrence Lewis, um, Donovan Jackson, and Linda Wigington. And the two fifth-year guys will be around, too, Beverly and Brace. We didn't get to see Brace as he's still recovering from that ACL surgery. Beverly, not a whole heck of a lot, but kind of what are what are your expectations for those two guys and what they can give in their only season with Iowa State? Yeah, and, and I think these, these expectations have actually flipped a little bit. I, I know personally they have for me. I think with Jeff Beverly, you're looking for um, someone to be a physical presence, um, you know, he's kind of got a Deontay Burton build to him. I'm not even associating their skill levels at all. I think Deontay Burton was light years ahead of where, where Jeff Beverly is at. But I think he can be a good rebounder. Um, he's learned how to play power forward at his size at 6'5". So I, I'm assuming that, me, uh, you know, he's got a lot of toughness to his game. And I think that's part of the reason that Steve Prohm uh, brought him into the program in the first place. And, and I think maybe some people saw him as a wing uh, when he was when he uh, transferred in. But really, I think we'll only see him in the low post. And, and with, uh, with Mr. Hans, I believe uh, Steve Frum said on a Cyclone Fanatic podcast that his uh, knee rec- his recovery from uh, his knee surgery is actually well ahead of schedule, mm. um, which has got to be good news for Iowa State fans. And it, it sounds like uh, he's going to be ready to go as soon as uh, we, we start getting to exhibition games here this fall. Uh, he, I think his role is going to be a little bit expanded. Everything that I've read about him and seen highlights of him, he's a, he's a good passer. Uh, he's a very smart player, and I'm not just saying that because he – came from Princeton, but uh, he seems to have a really good basketball IQ, uh, pretty good outside shooter as well. And with that size, he's maybe not as much of a rebounding presence down low, but is somebody who can give you a little bit of shooting um, and passing out on the wing, which I think Iowa State is is definitely going to need 
um, especially with with Terrence Lewis being a freshman, it'd be really hard to, to adjust to the, the flow of college basketball in terms of ball handling and, and your passing. I think, and uh, I think a fifth year senior is going to be able to to really help him in that area, and I think is going to probably play quite a few minutes for the Cyclones this fall. Well, getting ready for Big Twelve Media Days, and, and with it, you know, Matt, uh, football pick ninth. They released the media poll before. They get to Dallas. Iowa State at number nine. I guess not a huge surprise, but certainly the expectations around here are that they're going to be better than the ninth place team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of surprise of a surprise to us. I know the White Right account had tweeted out that uh, pretty surprising. We were uh, slotted behind the team we beat by fifty six point last year, <laughs> who also lost their uh, NFL quarterback. So. Um, not really sure where that came from, uh, but look, we, we've kind of talked about this. Um, I know I, I put up an article today on the on WideRightNettyLight.com about things you can be excited for and for this upcoming season, and one of the things I mentioned was the state of the Big 12. Um, I think you've got a little bit of turmoil at the top. I know uh, Oklahoma's got a new coach with, with Stoops uh, stepping down, and I, I expect Oklahoma to be really good, and um, I actually think Riley's going to be a great coach as well. Um, but I think the top is maybe going to stay strong. You know, you've got Oklahoma. I would put Oklahoma State in that category this year. Um, and I think Texas is improving as well. But the middle of the Big 12 has kind of been hollowed out a little bit. Um, I think Kansas State could be pretty good, but that's a team that I don't really see improving from where they've been the past few seasons, maybe starting to regress a little bit as Bill Snyder's uh, tenure comes to an end, I'm guessing, here in the next few years. Um, I think Baylor is going to begin to slide down uh, back to the pit from which they came initially. Um, a lot of people are hoping that program gets the death penalty. I, I really don't see that happening anytime soon. But I think Baylor is really going to take a step back uh, this year. And I think you can, you can see that when you look across at Texas Tech. Uh, I think TCU has kind of reached a peak of being as, as good as they can be. Their teams in the past have been more talented, and they've gotten a lot, of, uh, a lot better recruits in the past, yet for whatever reason – uh, TCU was never really able to take that next step, especially in the Big 12. So I see TCU as a team Iowa State can get at home this year. They play for homecoming. Um, you know, West Virginia is going to be pretty tough again as well. But, um, no, I, I, I would be shocked if Iowa State finishes ninth. I think they're going to fall towards the middle of the pack. Um, right around sixth, uh, sixth to seventh place is kind of my projection for them this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, there, there's so much uncertainty. Texas, a lot of people are, are going down the road. A uh, big improvement happening with the new coach and all the talent that's been accumulated there. Kansas State, kind of that chic pick. Same thing with Oklahoma State. If you don't want to pick Oklahoma, seems like you're going with one of those two. Those are kind of a, a different conversation than what we have with Iowa State. you got to go to Lubbock. you got to beat Texas Tech. You have to be at minimum 2-1, and one, if not 3-0, and oh, through the non-conference to get back to bowl eligibility to get to six you do still have to have a couple breaks go your way and is it going three and oh do you think that is a uh, prerequisite for this team being bowl eligible getting through that non-conference slate unbeaten you know i, I think there's a chance they could still they could still do it anyway trend if, if they're two and one uh quite frankly though i i really don't uh I think the pressure that's going to put on them to, to, to scratch out four wins in the Big 12 conferences, it's, it's going to be tough, no doubt. Um, I think they really have an opportunity to, uh, to go 3-0 in the non-conference to kind of um, exact some revenge on you and I for what happened last year. Um, you know, going back home, Campbell's first trip back to Ohio against Akron, um, it's going to be a fun game for him. And I think 
Uh, so I can drop a pun on you here that I think Iowa State zips up Akron. Ah. Um, yeah, see, there we go. And then, you know, Iowa's kind of a mixed bag. I know uh, they'll definitely have some, some good players at the running back position, but uh, they basically just have anybody who has a pulse and is taller than five foot five can play wide receiver at the moment for them. And um, I think their quarterback position is maybe a little bit up in the air. And, and quite frankly, they've just had some really good players they've lost to graduation the last two or three seasons. Um, and at home uh, this year, boy, I would be I would be surprised if it isn't uh, a pretty competitive game. And I really like uh, Campbell's chances to uh, to get his first win over Iowa this year. And that may be kind of a bold prediction, but I, I have started to hear that from other people. And well, I think Iowa's win total projected by Vegas was uh, six and a half, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, they had Iowa State at five and a half. So I think they're going to be very even this year. Yeah, I think it's a coin flip game going into that one. I saw an early line came out, and two and a half, three points Iowa was favored by. I say right now, you give me those points in a second, I will take them. A tight game, and I'm getting points in Ames. I'm going to do that each and every time. Matt Nelson with us. Mm. Wide right, Natty Light, MN. What about our Twinkies here as we start the second half? Yeah, what a what a bizarre turn of events, Trent. I did not see this coming at all. I don't know about you. No. Um, it's good, but I'm a little worried. Uh, this will be a good test for the management. Uh, the worst, in my opinion, in the MLB, you've either got to be really good or you got to be really bad. When you're a small market team that's in between um, with a few pieces that other teams would really fork over a lot for, boy, it, it makes it tough um, in terms of, deciding do you want to compete or is it time to, uh, to to maybe prolong pulling that window wide open and trying to win a championship by a couple of years. I think you know the Twins could grab a few starting pitchers this year and still not be able to get to the World Series. However, um, when you look at some of the players they've got in the minors, whether it's Nick Gordon or some of their uh, guys that are pitching down in A, I think the Twins have a window that's pretty wide, and, and this may be a year where uh, they, they try to offload uh, a Brian Dozier or – um, Urban Santana, and, and maybe not mortgage the rest of this year. Again, they've played half a season of competitive baseball compared to where the Twins have been the last five years. That's all you can ask. But I don't know. I'm of the opinion that we maybe need to be sellers. What do you think? Uh, sellers is not the term, that, the route that I would go. I still think that there isn't enough that you can get in return. Dozier doesn't have the same value. Second base, there just really isn't a market for it right now. If the right deal comes around, absolutely. But as it pertains to a guy like Irvin Santana, I'm not ready to go down that route just because the future, you know, Gonsalves has been talked about. There's been a few others down there. There's still a ways away. And we saw the Twins' development of pitchers hasn't been exactly the best over the last, oh, what, two, three, four decades? Yeah. Yeah, no, not... Not much at all. And with a guy like Irvin, I think uh, he's somebody, uh, in my opinion, that, that the Twins should keep. And you are spot on about Dozier. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if this team decides to uh, to stand pat and wait until the offseason if they want to move somebody. And, and who knows, if Cleveland goes back down the slide, this team could end up uh, sneaking in and uh, making the playoffs. Absolutely. Let's hope it happens from a couple of Twins fans. Matt, good catching up with you as always. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good, Trent. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy that work meeting with a beverage. That sounds like a great time to me. That is the plan. You'd be good, Matt Nelson. You can find his work over at Wide Right Natty Light. And uh, great community, a lot of fun. The guys do a great job over there talking Cyclones, a lot of great fans, and, and uh, good conversation pieces always coming from the guys over at Wide Right Natty Light. They have old friend Andy Garman, in fact, on their uh, podcast this week. I had a chance to listen to that, have that on the 
repartee coming up this weekend. Got a drive in front of me, and that's going to be on the bucket list. Listen to that one with uh, the guys from Wide Right Natty Light and Andy Garman of KCCI. We'll come back on the other side, and we're going to talk some baseball. We are just talking twins with Matt Nelson. We're going to talk baseball as a whole. Jose Quintana, what's next for the Cubs? Michael Pineda going down. We will do that with Scott Gelman. He joins us on the other side here as we continue on. It's a Friday. Friday fun. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. The big games play here. Westwood One Sports on Des Moines Station for News Talk Sports. 1700 KBGG. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company, and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind, and our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. Like all of you out there, Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. He would flip-flop all night long, wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or feel like he needed a nap, even though he'd slept eight hours. When Mike invented MyPillow, he wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. Mike does all of his own manufacturing right here in the United States and offers a 10-year warranty. You could wash and dry my pillow and don't forget there is a 60-day money-back guarantee and here's their best offer ever for a limited time go to mypillow.com or call 800-951-4694 and use promo code des moines to take advantage of mike's four-pack special you'll get 50 percent off two my pillow premium pillows and two go anywhere pillows and free shipping 1700 KBGG is your home for big sports. There's no place like home on the Big Talker 1700 KBGG. What's up? It's Bill Ryder back in Des Moines. Lived there for a decade. Got married in Des Moines. Thrilled to be talking about your favorite sports teams with your favorite players. 5 to 9 p.m. on your station with all the big games. 1700 KBGG. Big news, big talk, and big sports on 1700 KBGG. Hey, it's Jimmy B. And TC for Draft House 50 on Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Hey, Draft House 50 has 47 big screen TVs for great viewing of any game. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, tennis, you name it. Hey, the Draft House 50 can get it, even cricket? Draft House 50 has a sensational menu featuring specialty burgers, steak, salads, and so much more. And on Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 10 a.m., it's brunch, which includes a terrific Bloody Mary bar. The Draft House 50, a place for sports, great food, and drinks. Draft House 50, Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Your Honor, I stand before you to prove that AT&T's two-year price guarantee is the ultimate all-included bundle experience. Order! I submit Exhibit A, DirecTV Select All-Included Package with over 145 channels. Exhibit B, monthly fees for Wi-Fi Gateway, Genie HD DVR, and three additional receivers included. Objection! Overruled! Exhibit C, reliable high-speed internet and digital home phone. Order! 
And to close, lock in your bundle price at $89.99 a month for two years with AT&T. The court rules in favor of AT&T. Call your local dealer now. Switch to DirecTV today and start enjoying the nation's number one satellite TV service. Call Rockstar Satellite at 515-262-STAR. That's Rockstar Satellite at 515-262-STAR. For us, 24-month TV and 12-month internet agreements and combined billing. New approved customers only must remain active and in good standing on all services or then prevailing rates apply in second year. Pro-rated ETF up to $480 for TV, $180 for internet equipment, non-return, and other fees and conditions apply. Call for details. Offer ends 121.17. Hi, folks. Mike from JLM Shooter Supply here, inviting you to visit our full-service gun shop. Whether you are precision rifle shooting, competing in handgun matches, or just out plinking with the family, we have everything you might need. We offer all types of firearms, ammunition, and accessories, as well as all types of gunsmithing services. We've been here since 1988, and we won't be undersold by the big stores, and no one can match our service after the sale. We're on the corner of 70th and Douglas in Urbandale, or we can be reached at 515-331-1577. We're JLM Shooter Supply. See you soon. Back to the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. It's Jimmy B and TC. All right, welcome back. Jimmy B and TC here on the Big Talker 1700 Solo Edition here on a Friday and we go out right now to the Draft House 50 hotline. That's where Scott, Scott Gelman is with us from MLB Daily Dish as he joins us. Scott, good afternoon to you. Uh, how are things out east? Busy. Everything's busy. A lot of trade rumors, a lot of stuff to talk about. This is my personal favorite time of the baseball season. You have the all-star stuff, a couple of nights off from baseball. And now uh, the rumors fly, as they say, before the uh, end of the month here. Yes, there's a lot out there. And, and we're going to get into a few of those different things that are out there at this moment in time. But uh, before that, let's start with the news that yesterday uh, kicked off what we talked about, certainly here. And that is Jose Quintana making the trek northward up to Wrigley Field with the Cubs. It's funny, tons of rumors out there. This is not one that was bandied about a whole lot with the Cubs' young, controllable pitchers they were looking at. Quintana and the Cubs didn't look like they were a good fit. No, they didn't, but at the end of the day, you're now looking at a situation where a pretty solid, in my opinion, Cubs rotation becomes even more solid. You have Quintana, who for the last year and a half, really, uh, the White Sox have been going back and forth. Is this a guy we trade? Is this a guy we keep? Do we do it? during the offseason when we might be able to get a little bit more in return? Do we do it before the non-waiver trade deadline, July 31st, where we might have a team that might be willing to overpay because there might be some extra prospects involved? Uh, so a lot of moving pieces with Jose Quintana. I think this season, sort of from spring training, moving on, you got the sense that um, they were becoming more likely to trade him just because of the situation that both Darren and also because of how valuable he is, how few controllable starting pitchers that there are. and He's relatively a a comparably cheap guy, if you look at those numbers. Uh, it's it's going to be great for the Cubs. It's a, a guy who has proven, especially the last few seasons, that he could be a consistent starter. The ERA is a little bit over four this year. It's probably not going to stay there because he's never had an end of the season um, in his major league career with an ERA over four before. So you expect him to uh, adjust to uh, Wrigley Field and, and be able to play to that ballpark and just continue to pound the zone, which he does. Um, for Cubs fans who you know might not know a ton about the guy because he, he was in, obviously, the, the AL Central for a little while, he's going to be a guy that throws a lot of strikes. He's not going to walk a lot of guys. Um, and, and it's an exciting time for the Cubs because he's a guy that's really going to help that starting rotation tremendously. 
So as you kind of go through the numbers, the good thing, strikeout numbers up a little bit this year, small sample size, but at least to this point, but walks are up. And, and the biggest thing is I was going a little bit deeper and looking at fan graphs and a couple other spots yesterday uh, with this, Scott. Uh, home runs given up is up. Small sample size, is that what you chalk it up to, or are there any real concerns with Quintana? Or do you think he's going to revert back to what we've seen over the last four or five years? Well, I think he's going to revert back, but I also think that the home run fascination conversation sometimes gets overblown with these pitchers who you know throw as many strikes as the Jose Quintanas of Major League Baseball do. I mean, what ends up happening is, you know, as you mentioned, the, the strikeouts are up, and he's obviously a guy that's already thrown more than 100 innings, but this is a guy that when you do throw so many pitches in the strike zone, when, when he's not going to try and get you to chase an 0-2 or a 1-2 pitch out of the strike zone um, necessarily all the time to, to the middle of your lineup, He's a guy that's going to be susceptible to giving up the home runs. And so I think with Ridley Field, it's very interesting to see, you know, especially the splits with left and right-handed hitters with Quintana, just to see what you know, he does in terms of those home run numbers. But I anticipate they're, they're going to level out. They're not going to increase a whole lot. It's not going to decrease a whole lot. But for a guy that throws as many strikes as Quintana does, I think you're, you're going to he's pretty much what you're going to get. And um, I think it's going to be pretty level for the rest of the season here. He'll get the start on Sunday in the ro- on the road against Baltimore for the Cubs as they get things started uh, coming up tonight, 6.05, with the Friday night game against the Orioles. From there, Scott, uh, what else is happening in your mind with the Cubs? There was a report earlier today I saw uh, John Morrissey, I believe, was the first to talk about having the Cubs looking very closely now at Sonny Gray. Real story or trade deadline story that's just uh, going to waste a little digital space here for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, well, it's interesting because whenever you see a team like the Cubs go out and acquire a Jose Quintana where you already have, in what seems to be a significant amount of minor league pitching depth, controllable pitching depth, you don't really often see that guy, that team linked to another pitcher with the caliber of a, of a Sonny Gray. Obviously, I would put Sonny Gray um, in the same category as Jose Quintana in, in terms of you know they're looking to probably move him. There have been rumors about him the last two summers, the offseason, and this is probably the time where you're looking at a situation where they, they could move him. Um, another name that, that I would watch, lefty Brad Hand. Obviously, they got Quintana, but Brad Hand's having a great season um, out in San Diego. That could be an option. Obviously, he's drawing a lot of interest, but is not nearly as expensive as Sonny Gray would be. Um, but for right now, I think Sonny Gray is, is probably just a rumor, and if they do use uh, some different prospects to go and get him, I think you're – probably telling yourself that the Cubs really want to be in this this year and next year, and they're not really concerned too far down the line taking advantage of that window of opportunity. So uh, from there, Scott, there's still a lot out there, but my favorite part of the Quintana story is how this thing first came about from Reddit. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I have uh, have seen this briefly. (laughs) For uh, for the people out there that missed it, this uh, the rumor first came out not from you know a national writer, not even from a, a regional or a local scribe there in Chicago. It came from Reddit and two users, Wet Butt Twenty Three and Katy Perry's Booty Hole. Those are the two people that scooped the John Morrisseys of the world that scooped Ken Rosenthal. Instead, we got Wet Butt Twenty Three and Katy Perry's Booty Hole. What does that say about our profession, Scott? Yeah, it uh, says that people like to be anonymous on Reddit and, and have a little <laughs> bit of fun. You, know, you, you, never, you never know how people get information. It could be people connected uh, in the prospect landscape, and, and they thought it'd be funny to go on Reddit and, and kind of break this news. But 
Uh, now that news could be broken on any platform at any time, I, I, I would be lying to you if I said the fact it was uh, put there on Reddit is surprising. The uh, the usernames are a bit surprising and, and alarming, too, to have to attribute that if anyone did. Uh, that's a fun part of it. All right, Scott, uh, from there, with uh, the Cubs, they trade away their best prospect, their top-ranked prospect, a top-five guy, and Eloy Jimenez. The White Sox are continuing to build a lot of talent. They got a lot in the eat and trade. They got uh, plenty that came back, obviously, in the trade for sale. The future of the White Sox. Uh, there are White Sox fans in the market. Not many of them here, but there are. How excited should they be about their future, which might be still two, three years down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think any time you look at just that division in general, you saw what the Indians were able to do last season, and, and you kind of see again where now the Twins are capitalizing with, with a decent young core and the Royals kind of figuring out what they have to do. Um, but that's a division that two, three years down the line, more so in my opinion than some of the other baseball divisions that seem to be set for three, four, five years down the line, um, that I think the White Sox have a real opportunity. And, and you start, obviously, um, with, I wouldn't call a blockbuster trade, but with this big trade. And any time you get prospects, um, you don't really know what you're getting, but when you get Eloy Jimenez's and, and just the package and all these different talented guys that, that you put together, Matt Rose and uh, among others, I think you have to be excited. Now, right now, obviously, it's, it's not pleasant, but uh, this trade kind of tells me more about the mindset of the Cubs and what they think about the Brewers and whether they think they could catch up in the standings more so than, than the White Sox's perspective because you knew that they were probably going to trade Jose Quintana at one point or another, and, and I think if I'm a White Sox fan, uh, today, I'm, I'm really happy they did it at this point. It's before the trade deadline. Um, the Cubs probably slightly overpaid because they wanted one of the best available. They wanted the control. He's not incredibly, incredibly expensive. Um, so I think the White Sox fans and the fan base and even the front office are, are probably really, really happy and excited about the way this deal turned out um, just because they didn't rush it. They didn't give him away for less, and, and it's a good time to be able to have the prospects now. And in two, three years from now, you're probably going to see a couple of these guys contributing. A lot more going on across the baseball landscape. Let's take a look out east, and let's start uh, with the news today. The Yankees saying that Michael Pineda needing Tommy John surgery. Uh, a guy that, when he's healthy, boy, he can be dynamic, but that is a big caveat to put in there because health has not exactly followed Michael Pineda around. What does this do to the Yankees, and, and does it change their course a little bit with the young core that they have maybe for this season alone in 2017 and what they're going to do come trade deadline time? Yeah, so I think it probably just puts a little bit more urgency and pressure on the front office to, to kind of create something here uh, in advance in the, the non-waiver trade deadline or even in August with the waiver wire trades that can be made because the Yankees, realistically, were probably going to look for a, a back-end type starting pitcher before the non-waiver trade deadline, a guy who's probably controllable, um, just to be able to have that depth. Well, now you have this injury news, Pineda. Uh, anytime you hear elbow and, and collateral ligament, it, it's never good. And, and you see the second he's going to get a second opinion, but it's probably going to be Tommy John surgery, as most elbow-related things tend to be. Um, so now you look at the Yankees and you look at the, the controllable starting pitchers out there, and you say, well, they have a little bit of prospect depth. They gave that to themselves uh, last summer. So what can they go ahead and do now to, to get a guy who probably won't put up Pineda numbers, but a guy who could just continue to, to pound the strike zone and be controllable for a few seasons? Um, I, I mentioned Bradhand before. He's probably one of the better options just because of the season he's having right now. I mean, the Yankees are in a realistic point in the American League East where they probably, with a good run, could catch um, the Red Sox in that division. And so if you really feel strongly, you want a guy that's going to pitch well and one of the better 
inexpensive, controllable guys is Brad Hand, and, and he's pitching well out in San Diego, and I think that's probably a really good fit. Um, but the Yankees always tend to surprise us a little bit at the trade deadlines just with um, what they're pursuing, what they're hoping to do. But just you have to add a starting pitcher now if, the, if you're the Yankees front office. I don't see how you don't with obviously this huge flow today. Pablo Sandoval, he has been uh, designated for assignment by the Red Sox. Red Sox are uh, certainly the favorite coming into the year out east and, and hold that lead going into the All-Star break. What does this mean for his future? And also, what else do the Red Sox need to do? You know, the bullpen has been pretty solid. We know Kimbrell on the back end of it, uh, notwithstanding what happened the other night in the All-Star game to him. But um, it's not exactly a who's who in that bullpen. Could you see them going out and looking at another arm? Yeah, yeah, absolutely could see them, you know, adding depth in, in one way or another. And there are a couple of guys um, that they've been linked to. Among the ones that are going to be available, uh, Marlins have a couple of right-handers. David Phelps and A.J. Ramos are both back-end caliber guys that might not might not take a whole lot to acquire them. Um, but in, in terms of the Pablo Sandoval future, I mean, this is obviously a guy who started his career um, out in San Francisco. People don't like to talk about it. It's obviously a touchy thing with front offices and such. But, you know, his weight and playing third base and, and different things, um, have all kind of followed him throughout his career. He, he played in a couple of all-star games, but beyond that, the numbers the last few years have, have kind of dipped, and you've just now seen the Red Sox reach a point where they really don't need him. He's hitting about 200 uh, the whole year. He's not really a, a middle-of-the-lineup guy like he once was. I mean, there was a time when he was with the Giants early in his career where if Sandoval was coming up, you were terrified he was going to hit a home run. Um, no matter what the park was, you were just not in that uh, circumstance anymore. So I see maybe a team going after him on a minor league deal. Um, maybe if a team needs an infield depth, maybe a, a bat. I mean, the bat is still there. He could also play from first base. So uh, anytime you get a switch hitter, even if he's just going to be a pinch hitter, it could be valuable. So for Sandoval, a minor league deal could be possible. Um, but the Red Sox just reached a point, as they did with Johnny Peralta, where it's like you, you just don't need the guy anymore and, and you don't want to keep him on the roster when you have as many young players as the Red Sox do that have helped them obviously take the lead in the AL East. Scott Gelman joining us, MLB Daily Dish with a look around baseball here as things get started once again tonight. Scott, uh, with that, a couple more for you. We talked a bit about the Brewers, Stearns, what he has done with that team, the GM, uh, really building up the farm system. We're seeing some of those young guys have come up and played pretty big roles. But the way the division has played out, how good they played going into the All-Star break, there is talk of being sellers. What should be the game plan in your mind, though, for this Brewers team? How much should they do, and, and, and what do you think is the most realistic scenario for them leading up to the 31st? Yeah, because they took this situation so seriously and very slowly, and the job that that front office did, it was not, we're going to rebuild this and, and feel the competitive team within a season or two of so-called rebuilding. We're going to take our time with it. They were you know, among the worst teams in baseball for a good amount of time and not too long ago. And so I think when you go through that course, you look at yourself at the trade deadline, you say, okay, we are currently in position in that division to probably win that division, maybe get a wild card spot. They have 50 wins. Um, there are not many teams in the National League that have done that already, and the ones that have are mostly in the West. So if you're the Brewers front office, I think you have to say, we're going to improve in the areas that we're going to improve, which another pitcher or two would, would help them tremendously, um, whether it's a, a long-relief type guy just to have or back end of the rotation. Um, but I think you're going to have to be realistic and say, here we're, we're going to put a, bring one or two guys in. We're not going to overspend prospects. We're not going to rush into this. And if we get that one or two guy, 
you know, much like the Marlins thought they had last time. Kastner, it doesn't work out. Fine, we didn't blow all of our prospects. The problem, Trent, with this landscape right now is there are not a whole lot of controllable starting pitchers available, and you don't want to blow your top five, top ten prospects for a pitcher that you're going to have for the rest of the summer into the fall and maybe the playoffs. I mean, it's just not uh, a really strategic thing to do. And so if you're the Brewers, get a guy, maybe a Brad Hand. is another, I mean, I keep bringing him up, but he's a guy that someone's going to overpay for because he's so valuable and they were recently um, said to be interested in him. Um, so one or two guys, don't overspend. You have a, a really good opportunity to either get a wild card spot or win that division. And I think that's the course the Brewers will probably take because if you don't have this season, you have next season. I mean, a lot of those guys are controllable and young, and they're not going anywhere. Scott, uh, two here in the American League Central with the Twins to the north of us, the Kansas City Royals down south. Two teams that probably what's going to happen over the next two weeks is going to really kind of lead to what they're going to do come that uh, come the trade deadline. As you look at these two teams and what they have and how they're built, what do you foresee and, and what are the biggest needs in your mind for the Twins and Royals if they can stay with it with the Indians? Yeah, well, the, the major problem with both of those teams is you start looking at the standings and they're kind of what are called the bubble teams And when you start talking about trades in a sense of, yes, they're competitive, they're, you know, three, four games back in the standings. Could they compete for a wild card spot? Do we add and then hope we remain competitive? If a couple of guys get injured, then we did we waste our, our prospects. So those are the teams where, just like you said, I mean, you have to look at the course of the next week and a half, two weeks, and say to yourself, well, what are we going to do? I mean, the Twins are a team that are obviously going to seek a, a really several and every, and they've seemingly checked in on most of the controllable starters available. Um, Sonny Gray could be a guy that they look into. Um, Dan Fraley, the, the Marlins right-hander who they just recently acquired, could be available with the impending sale of the team down there. Um, so with, with very few controllable starters, the leverage is obviously in the, in the part of the organization. And so the problem with being a bubble team is the longer you wait, the, the more you're going to pay. So let's say you know, the Twins want a controllable starter. They're going to go grab Dan Straley from the Marlins. He's going to be less expensive today, July 14th, than he is July 30th. And so that's kind of the problem that, that those teams face. But I see both of them, obviously, you know, going after the controllable starters. The problem is there aren't many. The Royals, I, you're looking at a team that's three, four games back. They, they didn't have a fantastic start. They've kind of played 500 baseball. Um, they're a team that I think probably stays still at the trade deadline just because um, they could be active in the offseason and probably capitalize on deals more so in the offseason. But controllable starters for both may be a bad for Kansas City. Um, but nothing crazy from either of those teams because the cores look pretty good and have enabled them to remain competitive to this point. Scott, uh, last night, Bartolo Colon makes his first start down on the farm for the Twins. There's speculation he might be called up for the start Tuesday against the Yankees. Uh, was it great for Colon? We know this year certainly hasn't been great. Can he capture a little fire here, a little magic for the last, say, 12, 13 starts of the year? Or is this just throwing a, a little crap against the wall and seeing if it sticks for the Twins? Yeah, so... My thought when I first saw it, they signed him. Obviously, it's a low-risk, high-reward deal. He really didn't pitch well with the Braves, but he's still coming off of the season with the Mets where he was a National League All-Star, and I think right. you know you can't forget that. And I think something that's also a little bit overblown is some people forget and, and don't really realize the value of the different coaches and some roll their eyes when they say, oh, you know, I really benefited from 
the change of scenery. Well, a lot of times that means a, a pitching coach, a new staff, a minor league coordinator, someone tweaks something, your delivery, your, just something about your glove motion. I mean, something as subtle as that can you know, change the course of the season, and you don't really know um, if that's going to happen until you try. So before the Twins go out and say we're going to go try and acquire a Sonny Gray or a Dan Straley, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for Cologne to come in, see if he could be that guy. And if he is that guy, even if he's you know throwing three, four, uh, giving up three, four runs, five runs every once in a while in outing, I think you say to yourself that's probably better or about equal to what we were going to get from a guy we acquired uh, for a couple of prospects without giving up too much anyway. So I think it's a great opportunity for him. He's obviously emerged as sort of an icon in baseball in terms of just the age and what he's been able to do. So I, I'm excited to see. You know, should he get that opportunity with the Twins, I hope they give it to him because you want to see what those minor league signings can do for you uh, before you go out and give away your prospects. Scott, a lot of fun as always. We appreciate you joining us. Get back to it. A lot of rumors going on. Keep you busy, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks, Trent. Take care. You bet. That's Scott Gelman with us. MLB Daily Dish on the Draft House 50 Hotline. We'll take a timeout. Coming back on the other side, putting a cap on things and getting ready for the weekend. Friday fun. We had some fun talking about gambling today. Ah, yes. And will there be gambling happening tonight for your man TC? Better believe it. Last two days, I've got the shakes. I need some action. Baseball talk coming up as we put a cap on things leading into the weekend. Jimmy B and TC live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. News, talk, sports. Yeah, we got all that online at 1700kbgg.com. It's baseball season, and if you're looking for a place to go for all the MLB games, make it Draft House 50, Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Cubs, Twins, Royals, White Sox, Cardinals, even the Brew Crew, or an out-of-market game. Draft House 50 has you covered with the MLB Extra Innings Package. Upscale bar food, an amazing beer selection, and on the weekends, brunch and Bloody Mary Bar every Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Draft House 50, Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. The Home Depot has a new idea. Free carpet installation that means free carpet installation. Clearing out furniture? Free. Ripping out old carpet? No charge. Hauling it away? On the house. No hidden fees. Just free installation on carpet $699 or more. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Valid on carpet price $1 or more per square foot. Unique specialty items and requirements may be priced separately. Not valid in all markets. See HomeDepot.com for details. Offer ends August 16th. Life's never perfect, but as realtors, we know living it in the perfect place can make a big difference. Imagine hiding from your screeching children in that spacious walk-in closet. Watching the neighbor's dog poop on the freshly sodded grass you negotiated during closing. Dropping your cell phone in the toilet of the spa-like five-piece bathroom again. <laughs> so get the perfect place to house all of life's imperfections. Get Realtor. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. You don't need more sports, but you want more sports. Rockstar Satellite can fix that with free next-day installation on DirecTV. Call Rockstar Satellite, 515-262-STAR. Call today for next-day installation, 515-262-STAR. 
Hi folks, Mike from JLM Shooter Supply here, inviting you to visit our full-service gun shop. Whether you are precision rifle shooting, competing in handgun matches, or just out plinking with the family, we have everything you might need. We offer all types of firearms, ammunition, and accessories, as well as all types of gunsmithing services. We've been here since 1988, and we won't be undersold by the big stores, and no one can match our service after the sale. We're on the corner of 70th and Douglas in Urbandale, or we can be reached at 515-331-1577. We're JLM Shooter Supply. See you soon. Trust, quality, value. Just some of the words that have been used by Wolf Construction Roofing customers to describe their experience. Wolf Construction Roofing works on residential and commercial roofing, including single-family and multi-family homes, tear-offs, specialty roofing, and gutters. Wolf Construction has grown into a roofing machine that installs and re-roofs nearly 2 million square feet of roofing each year. Wolf Construction has been given the Super Service Award from Angie's List and is accredited with the Better Business Bureau. Call them today for your free estimate. Wolf Construction Roofing, 515-216-3643. That's 515-216-3643. And online, wolfconstruction.net. Jim Brunson, Trent Condon, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700K BGG. Live from the Wolf Construction Studio, sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Here's Jim and Trent. All right, welcome back, everybody. We put a cap on things here. Jimmy B and TC getting ready for the weekend. Hope everybody is ready to roll. Got a couple of uh, exciting things going on. Baseball coming up this weekend. So what do we got baseball-wise? We got the Cubs. They are in Baltimore. Pretty good series. Remember the Orioles? Got off to that good start and kind of fallen apart since then. Uh, one of the teams, in fact, that I had in the playoffs, not looking good as they start the second half under 500. But that one good series, you know, a spot where I actually uh, talked to a couple people, a couple friends that are heading out there for that series. Never been to Camden Yards before, said perfect, worked out well. So they're going to be heading out for that one. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Sunday is when we'll see Quintana on the mound for the first time for the Cubs in the series finale of that one against Ubaldo Jimenez on Sunday. So keep an eye on that, certainly over the weekend. A good, solid series. My team, the Twins, they are facing Houston. And what happened to them the last time they saw Houston? Blew a big lead in one of the games. We're up. Seven was it seven two or nine two? Came back and lost like fifteen nine. It, it was absolutely incredible. Got swept out. This is the start of what we are going to find out if what's going to happen with the Twins the rest of the year. You know, if they truly are going to be buyers or sellers going into the deadline. Now the thirty first, right around the corner. And you're counting down the days here as we get to it, and and with that, just over two weeks away, there's decisions to be made. And the Twins are a team with what they have coming up schedule-wise that is sitting on the fence. Starting off with three at Houston. Incredibly difficult. Back home for the Yankees. Yankees, a team that has been very good throughout the years. And very bad against for the Twins fans out there of what they've done to them. So you get three there. Then you're at home over next weekend with Detroit. Detroit still can swing it. It'll be the anniversary. I'm heading up to the game with uh, family. Going up with Grandma, her first ever game at Target Field. And uh, heading up there with a big group of, of the family. So looking forward to that over the weekend as they'll be celebrating the 1987 
World Series. We'll talk about that next week. But it's the Tigers after that. Then they go to the Dodgers, follow up with a road trip against Oakland, and that'll lead into the trade deadline for the Twins. So it's still wait-and-see approach, I think, for the Twins, unless they find something. You know, they're not looking at rentals. And even if they get hot here and win some of these series and maybe say, hey, perhaps we are contenders. I just don't see this team being able to go out there and spend money. You got St. Louis and Pittsburgh. You know, the Pirates are trying to fight their way back in it. Marte coming back off of his suspension. That's right around the corner. So that starts up tonight. Three game series there with the Cardinals. And Cardinals, another team. You know, we hear so many rumors that are out there about what they're going to do, changes that they can make, including some real big names. The Cardinals certainly are not out this as they sit at the same spot as the Cubs right now, two games under 500. But it's about Milwaukee, nine games above as uh, we start the second half coming up tonight. 6.05 will be the first game. Uh, what else is going on locally? Hey, the White Sox, we know they're sellers. They, they're out at Seattle. No big deal there. Milwaukee gets it going with Philadelphia. Uh, and, and another team that you have to kind of look at the schedule. The Brewers have been talked about. Stearns, their GM. Uh, the young guy has talked about that they certainly are going to be looking at being buyers now as they sit in first place, five-and-a-half game lead, the young core has kind of come together early, and they have an opportunity here over the next three series to kick off the second half to gain even more traction. It's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh for four, and then the Phillies again. So six of their next ten are against the Phillies. Six of your next ten are against the Phillies. You're feeling like you're in pretty good shape because Phillies are god-awful. Kansas City, much like the Twins, wait and see. I still don't think they're going to be sellers. I think they're just going to give it one more shot. How big of buyers, though, will they be? That will be a question mark for the Royals. Their schedule, as they lost three straight going into the All-Star break, as they'll get things going against Texas, another team still trying to search for an identity. Detroit after that, and the White Sox. Detroit, the next four series for Kansas City, another one where you can make hay. Now, I'm sure Texas is kind of feeling the same way, but if you're a Royals fan, you win some games and a possibility, hey, let's give it one more shot with this group. With Hosmer and Moustakis and Kane and on down. Let's give it another shot with this group. See what we can do. I think that's what you're going to see going forward there. So some good series over the weekends. A lot of baseball going on as we get going after the All-Star break. Out of time for today. Some fun conversations. John Bonencamp was here. We talked Hawkeyes with him. Took a look at the Cyclones with Matt Nelson from Wide Right Natty Light. Oh, what else did we do today? Talked a little high school baseball. Uh, Michael Barta of the top-ranked Johnston Dragons. He was by here. Cubs talk with Joe Aiello. If you miss any portion of the show, you can always find us on our podcast page over at 1700kbgg.com. Thanks, everybody out there, for listening in once again. Back at it Monday at noon. Have a great weekend, everybody. 1700 KBGG is the big talker in Des Moines with Jimmy B and TC. Noon to 3, sports talk that rocks. 1700 KBGG. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest. But we started as a roofing company, and we're still a roofing company today. As many of you know, severe weather and hail swept through central Iowa and the Des Moines metro. Wolf Construction was here long before these storms, and will be here long after. We're much more than a pickup and a ladder. Our roofing team is here to serve you for years to come. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally.
Hi folks, Mike from JLM Shooter Supply here, inviting you to visit our full-service gun shop. Whether you are precision rifle shooting, competing in handgun matches, or just out plinking with the family, we have everything you might need. We offer all types of firearms, ammunition, and accessories, as well as all types of gunsmithing services. We've been here since 1988, and we won't be undersold by the big stores, and no one can match our service after the sale. We're on the corner of 70th and Douglas in Urbandale, or we can be reached at 515-331-1577. We're JLM Shooter Supply. See you soon. If you're a CPAP user, soap and water cleaning may leave harmful bacteria, viruses, and mold that can make you sick. That alone will keep you up at night. Until now, SoClean.com is the world's first and only automated, hands-free CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. SoClean kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs without soap, water, harsh chemicals, or even equipment disassembly. And now, you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Call 1-800-914-8787. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean's revolutionary design makes it easy to clean your CPAP and protect you against CPAP-related illnesses. Plus, SoClean works with all popular CPAP devices to clean them in minutes. It really is that easy. Don't risk your health. Call SoClean.com now to try it risk-free for 30 days. Call 1-800-914-8787. This offer won't last. Call now. 800-914-8787. 800-914-8787. Finding great people to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. It's time to try ZipRecruiter, where 80% of jobs get a qualified candidate in just one day. How? Using powerful technology, ZipRecruiter matches your job to the right candidates fast. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, only ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free for your free trial. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. The Home Depot has discovered an amazing anti-aging formula for your walls. Bare Premium Plus Ultra Paint, interior and exterior, starting at just $29.98 a gallon. Bear's formula provides superior stain blocking coverage, keeping walls looking newer, longer. It's not the fountain of youth, unless you're a wall. Bear Premium Plus Ultra, starting at just $29.98 a gallon, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. You don't need more sports, but you want more sports. Rockstar Satellite can fix that with free next-day installation on DirecTV. Call Rockstar Satellite, 515-262-STAR. Call today for next day installation, 515-262-STAR.